Welcome, everyone, to It's a Rap with Rap. I am your host, Ron Rappaport. This podcast features people who have overcome life's challenges and adversities, people who can inspire and motivate, and people who can educate us on an assortment of topics. My guest today is Matt Odie, a personal trainer who at the age of 24 was diagnosed with stage 3C testicular cancer, the highest stage. The common age of the disease is 15 to 49 years old. There are eight to 10,000 new cases per year in the United States, and we lose about 440 men a year to the disease. The disease is treated successfully in 95% of the cases. Treatment options include chemotherapy, radiotherapy, and surgery. After chemotherapy and a very complicated surgery to remove the remaining cancer from his body, Matt encountered various complications. Matt went from 185 to 110 pounds in eight months. Fast forward three years later, after hard work and deep internal discovery, Matt is as vibrant, enthusiastic, and energetic as ever, helping individuals transform their minds, body, and spirit as a transformation coach and highly sought after keynote inspirational speaker. Matt has been cancer-free for four years now. Matt helps individuals to overcome adversity in their lives, discover their purpose, and give them the courage and tools to go out and live their lives to the fullest. Matt is here to tell his roller coaster of a story and to inspire and encourage all of us with his life experience wisdom. Welcome, Matt, to the podcast. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you, Ron. Appreciate it. Oh, you're it. welcome. So happy to have you on. Look, I was really looking forward to this. Uh, we both kind of share uh, a similar uh, thing. Uh, we, I've had male breast cancer. I don't know if you knew that or not. And uh, yeah, and I, I do a lot of advocacy work for the Male Breast Cancer Coalition and you with the testicular cancer and, you know, so... I think we have a lot in common to talk about. Let's start at the beginning, Matt. Tell us about your early years and what prompted you to become a personal trainer? Yeah, uh, great question. So, uh, you know, when I was younger, um, I think it all kind of, you know, goes back to my dad putting me into every sport you can imagine, you know, football, baseball, cross country, uh, basketball, everything. So, Sports was like a massive part of my life. And I, when I wasn't doing sports, I was out with my friends playing out in the yard, you know, things that we don't see as much a days with, I, you know, I wish I could see more in kids and I, I'm sure, yeah, that you, yeah. you know, you just, you wish you'd see them outside more. So I was very, a very, very active kid. And, um, you know, in high school, um, I kind of narrowed down to what I thought I was best at. And it was actually cross country and track. I was a very good runner. Um, ended up running for one year in college and it just got to be too much for me. So then after that, um, you know, I was running probably close to 80, 90 miles a week in college. And I, I didn't, the thing that kind of switched me is I didn't necessarily like being that 125 pound kid going into yeah. college. So I was like, okay, I need to switch up my physique. You know, I loved looking at, you know, these athletes that are built, but are also, you know, extremely athletic as well. Sure. So I, okay, I want to start lifting. So started lifting within a year, I probably put on 20, 25 pounds and I started gaining more and more and more weight. And, uh, and I just fell in love with, um, being versatile, you know, being able to do cardio, being able to do lifting all of the above. And sure. when I got out of college, um, I actually had a business management degree and no idea necessarily what I wanted to do with it. Um, but I remember sitting down with my dad and uh, my uncle, you know, my dad's the CEO. My uncle is the business owner. They run um, a very successful business, around 400 employees. And it's actually, a, it's a software, construction accounting software company. But they said, hey, Matt, they, they caught on early. This was back in like 2014. Like, hey, we're noticing that companies are doing like wellness programs, meaning like you have an individual that comes in and you um, basically create a healthy atmosphere for employees. And yeah. I said, oh, yeah, I'd absolutely love to do that. And they said, okay, well, what about you get your personal training license? Because we want to build a gym in our company. You be a personal trainer for half of the, the um, you know, 40 hour week and the other 40, you create, you know, corporate challenges, meaning like step challenges for employees. You do all these other things. Sure. So that's, what, that's what got me into what I was doing. Wow. That was <laughs> nice that, that they could do that. Yeah. So Matt, can you give us uh, the audience an overview uh, of your story uh, 
uh, to understand the sequence of events and challenges you faced. Uh, please tell us about the surgeries performed and, and, you know, and the complications involved. I didn't want to go into any of that in the introduction. I wanted you to, to tell your story of, of what exactly happened with, uh, you know, how you found out about having yeah. testicular cancer. Yeah, you definitely left out all the good parts. So this is good. Um, yeah. So I'll make sure. And if you need to stop me at any point, just, sure. just stop me and then I'll, you know, go more in detail if you want me to, you know, take a step back or whatnot. But it's 2016. I am literally in the best shape of my entire life. I just started dating my now fiance, Lauren. We were literally just started dating. Um, I'm, you know, been eating the right foods, doing all these things. And then all of a sudden throughout the summer, um, you know, me and Lauren, Lauren is my fiance. Uh, I was, yeah. you know, we were doing kayaking, hiking, things like that. I, I started to notice this back pain. And, you know, at 24 years old, I'm 24 years old at the time, 2016. And, um, you know, being stubborn, I just wouldn't go get it checked out. And it just kept getting worse and it kept getting worse. And I just said, okay, it's probably lifting. I probably should just cut back. So I stopped lifting. Sure. It kept getting worse and worse and worse. And one night, about two months later, it got so bad that I actually ended up waking up one night. I was in so much pain, but then I had this stomach ache too. And I ended up puking up blood, got rushed to the emergency room, did a blood test on me, found out I had lost two thirds of the blood circulating in my body, which is actually equivalent to being shot with a gun. So let me stop you there. So, yeah. so, so, so you're, you're spitting up blood, right? Mm -hmm. You're puking up blood. Now, did you notice, now you said you lost two thirds uh, of your blood supply. Did you notice any blood loss before that? Yes. Um, like hemorrhoids or, you know, that kind of thing. Maybe, yeah. Urine. Like through, not urine. No, but through bowel movements. Yes. Um, okay. But it wasn't like something that I was like, Oh my gosh. Like I, you know, I, I, I was stubborn. I was so stubborn. Like and yeah. I really get this point across is like, if there's something abnormal, whatever age you're at, especially, but I want to be talking to these young adults here, especially you guys, because at right. the end of the day, we have this perception of we have to be strong or we can't be vulnerable or we can't share things. If you see something that is wrong and it's been going on for more than, I always give it at least a week, but I, I usually have a two week rule of if it's still there two weeks, you need to go to a doctor, just go get yourself checked up and see what is going on. If it's something completely abnormal. And I usually say even quicker than that, but you know, that's, that's my rule is if it's, if it's lasting over two weeks, you need to go see a doctor. That's something abnormal. So, right. And, and, and I'm kind of, uh, you know, in this, in the same ballpark with the male breast cancer coalition, we have guys that uh, they'll get a lump, uh, a lump in their, underneath their nipple. Right. And some of these guys wait until it just grows and grows and grows. And then they finally go in. Well, by the time they go in, it's stage four, it's already, you know, metastasized. So yeah, I keep harping on the guys out there. You have to pay attention uh, yeah. to your body. And, and to be honest with you, uh, my statistics were, uh, you lose 440 men a year to testicular cancer and you have eight to 10,000 cases a year, male breast cancer guys. We have 2,600 men a year diagnosed in the United States. We lose over 500 men a year. More people die, uh, men are dying from that than from testicular cancer. So just, just to be aware. So go ahead, Matt. Yeah, you know, and um, a, a lot of the times, and I'll just reiterate this for testicular cancer, it could be the, which is what I'm going to get to where I almost died is had nothing to do with, well, it had to do with the fact that I had cancer, but it wasn't the cancer that almost killed me. It's the complications that entailed. And I think that's where people have to be cautious about certain things, but yeah. why, why you need to get yourself checked out because if it's stage one, you know, male breast cancer, or if it's stage one testicular cancer, you're getting, there's very, 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 very high chance you're getting that thing taken care of and you're going to be ready to go and you'll be fine, you know, at minimum, you know, within a couple of months. So, um, you know, so maybe a year, but, you know, so here's the weird part. So they get the, they do the test. They found out I lose all the blood, um, you know, equivalent to a gun wound shot. I get rushed into an emergency um, surgery. They give me six bags of blood. Next morning I wake up and the doctor, you know, walks into the recovery room. I'm ready to go home. I'm thinking I'm done. And yeah. 
he has this blank stare in his eyes and he comes over to me. It's just me and my parents at the time. And he sits down, he grabs my hand and uh, he goes, Matt, we, we found an 11 centimeter tumor in your small intestine. We know it is cancerous, but we have no idea what type of cancer it is yet. And we have to rush you to the main campus of the Cleveland clinic. Now I'm from Ohio, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. And thank goodness, like the Cleveland clinic, if you don't know, it is one of the top hospitals in the world. So yeah, I'm yeah. fortunate to be there, um, like right at their doorstep. So they rushed me from the local hospital to there. And here's the weird part. With testicular cancer, just like with male breast cancer, you usually find a lump right where this, the, the part is. You find a lump under your breast, or you find a lump in your testicle. No lump in my testicle. So there was none, no symptom that indicated testicular cancer for me. But they did a bunch of tests. They did, and what really caught it was an ultrasound that found that it had originated in my testicle and then where all the cancer had formed was in my small intestine. And that is why I probably really never got checked because I never knew that, you know, all this was happening. And the reason I was bleeding is because all that um, tumor was rubbing against like nerves and, and um, veins and things like yeah. that, really damaging walls. So, um, <clears throat> So that's when they did a bunch of tests. They found out I had the highest stage of testicular cancer. Now, when I say stage 3C, there is, you can say, uh, my oncologist always tells me, he's like, listen, you could call it stage 4, but it's not technically called that. That's why I say I say the actual term of what he tells me. But he's like, you, to, in comparison, you have what's called blood tumor markers. And you have what's called your AFP. Um, and I, I forget what it's fully named. But anyways, you want to be below a five. We'll just put that in perspective. Below okay. five is normal range, no cancer. You're fine. I was over 75,000. I was over their chart. Like, I, oh my I, God. I, yeah. Yeah. I couldn't even. So I had cancer. Thank goodness they did an MRI like within a week to make sure it didn't get to my brain, but it was everywhere else in my body. And, uh, you know, immediately after they found out, um, I was on chemotherapy, but I, I will take a step back and talk about the mental journey of that. You know, me receiving the news, me having to share the news with different people like Lauren and things like that. You know, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into that, but yeah. uh, go ahead and keep talking about just the, uh, the medical aspect of it. Do you want me day. to give you like a five minute version of, of everything? I could go a little quicker and then get more in detail. If you'd like me to do that. Sure. Go ahead. I think okay. the audience would like to hear it. So yeah. So five minute version. So I go in through chemotherapy. Um, that lasts about three to three and a half months. Um, you know, I lose my hair, fatigue, anything you can think of in chemotherapy. Um, I end up losing my three and a half year old puppy who was diagnosed with cancer mm. about three months before me. So it was like losing a best friend. I took him to all his chemo sessions, destroyed me mentally, yeah. had to get myself out of it through faith, through, you know, um, uh, a lot of support, things like that. And, uh, you know, where the real complications happened was when I was done with chemotherapy and my oncologist basically sat down and he said, okay, we have good and bad news. Good news. Your tumor is shrunk from 11 centimeters to three centimeters. The chemo obviously worked and you know, your cancer is shrinking. Bad news is it's wrapped around what's called your inferior vena cava. Now that is basically a central vein that goes from the bottom of your upper body to your heart. We're going to have to do a 12 hour surgery with three to four different surgeons involved. And we have no idea what the complications are going to entail. So long story short, I get the 12 hour surgery. <clears throat> My body basically, um, shuts down about a week and a half later. I have so much swelling in my stomach. I basically gained 45 pounds, not even kidding you, 45 pounds of swelling throughout the, the one surgery a week and a half later. Um, you know, I'm out of the hospital at this point, I'm right back in the hospital with so much pain. They end up having to drain seven liters of fluid out of my stomach, causing me to go into complete kidney and liver failure. I had a cone drilled inside my head to relieve potential brain swelling. I had a catheter in my chest. I had a catheter in my neck because I thought I was going to be on dialysis the rest of my life. And I fell into a two-week non-induced coma. Um, you know, I ended up being in the ICU for over 40 days. A week out of my coma, I went into cardiac arrest when they took out one of the catheters in, um, in my neck. Um, they had to do eight minutes of CPR on me to bring me back to life. I had to um, completely relearn to walk again. From laying in my bed to taking my first steps took two weeks with multiple um, nurses. I ended up being in the clinic for a total of 53 straight days. Um, and my fifth surgery, so I had five surgeries in 30 days while I was there. My last surgery, they, um, it was completely unexpected. Well, none of them were expected, but the last one was very unexpected. My stitches bursted open. They had a rush me in and had to do what's called an open wound surgery. 
they had they couldn't close my skin back up. They had to take out all of my abdominals and they had to leave a football sized mesh over my stomach, which took an entire year for my wound to heal. And like you told me, or like you said before in the intro, I dropped down from 185 pound personal trainer to 110 pounds, basically having to rebuild my entire life mentally, emotionally, and physically all over again. And um, I'll tell you right now, it took me two years, two years with, you know, completely focusing on me first. I have a little saying that I say is in order to be selfless in life, you must first be selfish. And yeah. you know that means you must take care of yourself before you can impact others. And it took me two years of first, my faith with God. Number two, keeping the promises I make to myself every day saying when I'm going to go and do shit, yeah. I'm going to actually get it done or I'm going to give it a shot, a shot instead of making excuses and falling into a victim mindset. And number three, not being afraid to be vulnerable and asking for help when I need it, using my support system, using my fiance, Lauren, using my parents. And they were lifesavers. I'm not even kidding you. Like I, we'll get more into detail about yeah, it, but yeah. like, Lauren was like an angel sent down for me. So two years later, I rebuild myself. Then I ask God, what is next for me? Cause I think a lot of us can attest to this. And Ron, I think you can too. When you overcome something in life, you feel that you've been given a second chance and a bigger purpose. You feel Absolutely. like what you've gone through is giving you, you know, whatever you believe in, if you believe in God, if you believe in something else, but you believe that it gave you something to go out and share to the world. And I said, I don't know where I'm going, but I know I need to go help people. So I'll, you want to know the number one thing I did, and this is what you need to do. If you're trying to get to a destination of life surrounding yourself with like-minded people that are either going in the similar direction as you or has already done it. And you can start to use them as a mentor or start learning from them. Yeah. And I started joining mastermind groups. I started joining entrepreneurs because they take massive problems, they solve it and they use it to help others. And that's what gave me the courage, gave me the ideas, gave me everything to get on stage, start sharing my story and podcasts, start coaching other survivors and patients, now starting my own business and having the courage to say, listen, I need to use all the experiences God gave me to now go and impact other people. And the, the, the thing is, is when we first start, we have, we have no freaking idea what we're doing. It's all uncertainty and it's all faith. But just remember, oh, it's you versus the world. And, and most of the time, you're going to get criticized by your parents, potentially by the people you love, by your friends, because they don't see it. They need to see it before they believe it. But remember, you always need to believe it before you can actually see the outcome. So that's where I'm at today. Um, it's worked out really well for me. And, and uh, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm very blessed to be able to share my story. Oh, yeah. We're, we're very happy for you. I want a, a review for our, for our audience out there, the signs and symptoms of testicular cancer, and just have you comment after I read them all. A painless or painful lump the size of a pea, small, or the size of a marble large in either testicle. A change in the texture of the testicle or how it feels. A sudden buildup of fluid in the testicle or scrotum leading to swelling in the scrotum. A lasting ache or heaviness in the testicle. Sudden shrinking of the testicle. A gynecomastia, which is an enlargement of the breast. A dull ache in the lower abdomen a lump in the neck due to spreading of the lymph nodes, a painful ejaculation occurring more than a few times in a row. And the cause uh, is not understood, but some risk factors include undescended testes and congenital abnormalities of the testes. I know you didn't have any of that, but I did want to just tell the audience what to look for. Yeah, all of those symptoms, you know, and uh, that's why I always say go get your physical every year. Yeah. Go get it. Stop. Leave your ego at the door and go get your physical because at the end of the day, like you don't and something does pop up in your. I was so excited to be a guest on a great podcast called Whispers and Bricks. Ari Schoenbrunn, a 9-11 survivor, is an amazing host and the podcast is so inspiring. Ari also created the Whispers and Bricks Academy. Do you feel like you're stuck in the mud, like you're spinning your wheels, wasting time in your career, your business or your life? then Whispers and Bricks Academy is for you. If you know you're not enjoying all the success, satisfaction, and significance that you desire, then it's time for your own personal breakthrough. What is a breakthrough? A breakthrough is something that changes the outcome of your life going forward for the better. Most of all, you have to have the courage and the bravery to stop settling for second best. 
If you are ready to turn your life around, then go to www.arishonbrun.com slash Whispers and Bricks Academy. Click on the Call with Ari button and set up a call with Ari. This information will be listed in the podcast notes. You know, you, you think that you'll just it'll just magically go away. I'm not saying you're going to end up like me, but I'm saying it's better safe to always, you know, it's always better to be safe than sorry. So, yeah, I caught mine. Uh, my nipple retracted and uh, I thought I had fallen. I, I did take a nasty fall that year and I thought it was healing. I thought a car door hit me. And then after a while, it, it wasn't getting any better. And, and thank God I did go in, I got a mammogram and a biopsy and all that. And uh, I did have a mastectomy, but at least I didn't have to have chemo or radiation. And like you said, if you catch this stuff early, you know, you'll have a, a two, three month setback. But if you let it go, it's it's not a good it's not a good outcome. Mm -hmm. So uh, can you please expound uh, on the mental aspects of going through uh, the medical challenges up through recovery? And did you open up your emotions and to who? And like we talked about, men are afraid to show their emotions outwardly. Uh, Also, please tell us how you handled all all the setbacks. And I believe at one point. weren't you when you were in the coma didn't you wake up from that or something well yeah yeah so i yeah i'll definitely talk about um so let me start with when i was first diagnosed and we'll get to the coma part that's a lot with faith so with coma it's it's big with faith but um with with when i was first diagnosed um yeah i i helped i think i'm gonna tell you this right now um holding in your emotions, in my opinion, is one of the number one causes of depression, number one causes of anxiety, number one causes of PTSD, number one causes of mental health issues. Because every time you hold that in, it is like an extra pound of weight lifted onto your shoulders. And for me, I would, I didn't cry when I first got diagnosed. I didn't show any emotions to my parents. And I was just like this. I felt like I needed to be this strong person for them. I said, Hey, I remember looking at them, them crying. And I said, everything's going to be fine. And deep down inside, I knew like, this was a battle I was going to have to face. This was a journey ahead of me. And for some reason, God allowed me to share my emotion. The moment, like about three days later, Lauren had found out, like she found out that day, but she couldn't, like we couldn't, cause there was all the ambulance and getting me to the hospital. She couldn't come see me for about maybe two days. And when I finally got to the clinic, she came and visited me. And um, I'm gonna tell you, Ron, I saw her and first I was deathly afraid because we'd only been dating for two and a half months. So I thought she might be breaking up with me, whatever. I didn't know because it's a big burden to put on her. So sure. I... I just saw her and we both like knew, like we weren't leaving each other. And, um, I broke down, I broke down crying and I started to share all of my, my fears. I started to share all of my uncertainties, all of my doubts. And I'm telling you, Ron, you would think, Oh my gosh, like that's going to make it work. No, it, it was such a relief to get it off my chest and just say, I need help. It was a catharsis. It was, I need yeah. help. And, and it's okay for you males, women too. I want to express this to women too. I know you usually are a lot better than us at this, but yeah, there are yeah. some times where I know you probably try to be strong too. Maybe it's for your kids or whatever, but be okay to express your emotions. And so this allowed me to switch my mindset. And I started looking at life, Ron, is everything in life is how is it happening for me, not to me. And I'm not saying that, and this is what I mean. I'm not saying that the situation I'm in is, is like, oh, I'm happy I'm going through it. I'm saying, how do you take an unfair situation? Because every one of us, every one of us in life who's watching this is going to get unexpected, unfair news. So how are you going to take that news? You can either say, why is this happening to me? Becoming the victim of the situation, have a why me mentality, start making excuses, or say, how is this happening for me? Start learning through the experience. So for me with cancer, how can I learn? How can I grow? How can I become a better version of myself? And then guess what that ultimately allows you to do? It allows you to take all of those lessons and eventually down the road, whatever that might be, to impact other people. Your greatest lessons in life are going to be are going to come from your failures, are going to come from the hardest moments, are going to come through the most challenging times of your life. So, I started to and and it really hit me when my my puppy passed away was 
it's unfair. I'm losing a best friend. I'm going through cancer. I'm right in the dead smack middle of chemotherapy. And I was, I fell into a victim mindset mentality. And trust me, there's plenty of other times where I started to, but that is where your faith, that is where your support system can get you out of those situations. So when you're feeling like in a, in a victim mindset, it's, I want to give this real quick. It is okay to grieve, meaning it's okay to be upset at the situation. It's okay to be angry in the moment. But if you live in that moment and you let it define you, that's when you have an issue. That is when it turns into anxiety. That is when it turns into depression. That is when it turns into you becoming the victim of the situation. So you need to take action by asking for help and keeping the promises you make to yourself by saying when I need it, like for me, for example, days I didn't want to get up from chemo or days when I was in the hospital and I had to learn to walk again, when I literally had to learn to walk again, I, I had no energy, zero. My tank was zero, but it was life or death. And I said, you know what? I don't give a shit. Today I have to work on getting my, my, my butt up and in starting one step at a time. And that's all it takes, Ron, is it takes yeah. one step at a time. It's like that famous saying, Rome wasn't built in a day. Anything great in life doesn't just happen like this. Everyone's looking for instant gratification. Now you're never going to get what you want. If you're looking for instant gratification, it takes time. It takes every day putting in the work and just focusing on one thing at a time, not getting too, you know, your mind in a million different places. So, um, so that was, that was what really helped me through a lot of it. And trust me, I will be totally vulnerable here and saying, I fell into that, that why me mentality multiple times while I was going through cancer. It's okay to, to be down on yourself, but I picked myself back up. That was the biggest part. I never gave up. So, um, so with the coma, you know, can I just stop you for one second? Yeah. 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 I, I, I heard you talking, uh, you know, before this, I've seen you and you said, uh, you know, the why me thing why me and and then you said no ask yourself why is this happening for me right so just a little story side story uh, a couple of days ago I'm, i i go to the gym i go to work out i go to swim i i have a locker but i always put my nice brand new running shoes underneath the bench i go swimming i come back the shoes are gone. They're missing. And, you know, I'm, so I, I said, you know what? I listened to Matt Odie and he said, why is this happening to me? No, why is this happening for me? Okay. So I said that to myself and I got delayed and I, I go out into the lobby and my wife is talking to a lady that was a patient of mine a while back. And she had a, a, dis, a disabled son. He he was uh, he wasn't uh, born structurally right, and uh, he's probably about twenty years old now. Anyway, my wife said to her, "How's how's Johnny?" Okay, I'll just use his name. And she said, "Oh, he passed away." And uh, and then I came out. Now, normally we would have been gone by then, but with the shoe incident. You know, we, 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 we were still there. So I took her to the side because she was, she hadn't been there in a year and a half. And she was, uh, she wasn't over her son passing away. And I said, Hey, I took her to the side and I said, I, I just did a podcast with a grief counselor who specializes in people who have lost a child. And this lady had lost two of them. And I put her in touch with the lady. And I got a, a great note the next day. Hey, thank you. You know, and and I thought, you know what? If it hadn't been for the shoes, I never would have seen her. And guess what? Lo and behold, today I go to the I go to the gym. The shoes showed up. Yeah, I don't know who brought them back, but I mean, and I thought, you know what? Matt said, uh, "Why me? No, uh, why is this happening for me?" And, and how is this happening for me? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to have faith out there. Incredible. I'm telling you when I think I should be going one way and God directs me another way and I start getting angry, I always find the most, that's incredible story. That is literally like a perfect example of how do you take a 
challenging or crappy situation in the moment and you say, wow, if I hadn't gone through that, I would have never been able to help this person. Yeah, I said to my wife, you know what? That shoe incident put me, God put me in that place to help that woman. And, and that woman was so grateful. I mean, I I got a beautiful letter from her and she was, wow. you know, just, yeah. Incredible. So, yeah, it was incredible. Wow. Um, tell us about your support system going through the journey and what advice do you have for people out there going through their struggles in regard to their support system? Yeah, you know, I'll be honest, not everyone might have the support system. I don't know how your support system was, or you know, but I had incredible support system. And I know not everybody has the most incredible support system in the world, but I do want to let you know that there, if you are willing to open up, if you need help and ask for it, there are always people there to help for you. I promise you this. Because yeah. for me, even even if it wasn't my parents and Lauren and my friends you know, the clinic had what's called a fourth angels mentorship program. And what it was, was they connected you with a survivor that had gone through the same uh, type of cancer you did, and they would connect you with that person. And the cool part about that was, you know, I could actually relate to that person. So when I was going through the mental and physical struggles of chemotherapy, my parents or Lauren or Pete, you know, other people couldn't necessarily relate to the pain I was really going through. They tried to help me, but they just sure. couldn't understand me where this, my friend, Ronnie, he could, and he could say, listen, Matt, I know how you're feeling, but tomorrow's going to be a better day. You're going to start feeling like X, Y, and Z. You're going to start, you know, this, and it just gave me a sense of peace. And, and even on top of that, here's a really cool story. My dad, when I finished chemotherapy, hosted an event. It was on Thanksgiving morning. Um, just to celebrate the fact that I finished chemotherapy and every city, most cities do this is where they host what's called a Turkey trot. It's just like a five and 10 K run where, you know, it's all, yeah. all the cities usually do it. Well, we had no idea how many people are going to show up to this thing. And I was like, okay, maybe 30, 40, 50 people would be awesome. Ended up having over 400 people at seven in the morning and 32 degree weather show up to show nice. my support. And I run, I didn't even know about 200 of them. So yeah. once again, you have people, they told me there was thousands of people praying for me, thousands. Yeah. And, and when I get to the, the story of my coma, I'll really show that and, and the support system and the power of prayer and things like that. But like, I'm telling you, Ron, you just don't even realize it. And then also my last thing is who is that person? Because a lot of people are watching and I know you have this one person, 99% of you have this one person that no matter what you go through, there's that one person that is going to be there for you, no matter what kind of challenge you go through. And that was Lauren for me. She was just literally in my angel. And a lot of the times we can take that person for granted. Yeah. Meaning we just kind of go throughout the day and we're like, okay, if we need that person, they're just going to be there for us. And <clears throat> sometimes we need to take a step back and just say, thank you. Thank you for being in my life. Thank you for giving them a legit you know, situation that they helped you in. And it is going to make that bond make their day, make your day so much better. So recognize who that person is in your life. If you had that person and just thank them, text them, or if you're living with them, just give them a big hug today. So good please. advice. Good advice. Matt, was there ever uh, any embarrassment or stigma attached to having testicular cancer? The Cleveland clinic states that 40% of men uh, go to see the doctor when they feel the issue is serious. And due to uh, socially acceptable references made to the groin area in the form of phrases or jokes, do you think men in general ignore their testicular health? It's estimated that 43% of men do not know how to do a testicular self-exam despite it being easy and quick. Yeah, I think from, I would say, especially from ages 18 to probably 25, 100%, because you're still in that like adolescent phase or your young 20s where your ego is predicated on other people's opinion most of the time. And as we get older, we realize that other, not for me, but other people's opinions don't really freaking matter. No, <laughs> it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's what I really learned. But when I was 24 years old, I was so worried about the people. Now I didn't have the testicle, um, you know, issues going on, but if I, if I did, I still would probably be like 
too afraid to even bring it up because you're right. It, it is something that you are too, you're e too ego driven or you're too, um, you know, you're too manly or too afraid to share it. Especially men. Yeah. I, I really do believe that. So yes, I, I think that probably over 60% of people with testicular cancer, especially if you're in that age group, probably even higher had that stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we, and we run into that with the male breast cancer, uh, mm -hmm. as, as well, please address those people, uh, out there that are going through their challenges that have trouble speaking up or, or who are anxious about their situation and cannot get a handle on it. What are your thoughts about getting them the help they need? Start with the one person you can trust. Start with one person. You don't need to be going on what I'm doing or posting on social media or all of that. You don't need to do that. It starts with one person that you know will actually sit down and listen to you. Mm. And when you can do that, I'm telling you, like I told you when I shared it with Lauren, it was just this amount of weight just lifted off my shoulders. And then it allowed me to open up to other people, like finding that, like asking for help, like for with Ronnie, asking for a fourth angels mentor, asking for help with friends, you know, saying, Hey guys, can you do X, Y, and Z for me? Instead of me being, you know, so ignorant to that fact. And it starts with just one person. Find somebody that you feel comfortable opening up to. Maybe it might not be somebody that you even know. It could be somebody like a Ronnie where you feel like it's a, a clean slate and they're, and you don't feel judged at all. And you know that they can relate to you. Maybe it's that person. So find one person, open up to them. And that, that will be like, um, it's just like anything in life. You know, uh, after you break through your, your point of fear, yeah. You have all this confidence in the world. You oh, ever yeah. notice that when you break through fear, oh, yeah. instantly this like adrenaline rush comes in of confidence of like, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought. And um, that's all I have to say is just, just ask, just, just start with that one person. <clears throat> Tell us about your concept of winning the day and how it applies to the journey from diagnosis to treatment to recovery. Yep. Winning the day was massive when I got out of the hospital. And here's the concept of winning the day. I learned it from a guy named Andy Frisella. He's an entrepreneur, very successful. He owns a supplement company called First Form, but like he's way more than just a business owner. The guy is just like, he teaches you how to really um, elevate your life. And yeah. his concept was called winning the day. And here's what it is. It was like my concept of focusing on one thing a day. And, and what it is, is <clears throat> you need to focus on what is the task today, like a one major task that is going to help excel you forward into a goal that you have. For me, I needed to recover myself mentally, physically, and emotionally. For example, let's just put weight, for example. I needed to gain my weight back. And here's how I was going to win the day. I was going to pick up a five-pound dumbbell. Literally, this is all I could do. I went from this insanely fit personal trainer to now having to talk about an ego um, you know, check. Yeah. I'm 110 pounds. I look like a skeleton and it's just it's terrible. And I was so self-conscious, but I had to start somewhere. So I picked up a five pound dumbbell and started doing bicep curls. I knew I needed to get that strength back. And, and that right there allowed me to win the day. And when I can win, Ron, when I can win four out of the seven days at least, guess what that means? It means I've won the week. Yeah. And when I can win three out of those four weeks, Guess what that means, Ron? You win the month. You win the when month. You can win six, seven, eight, nine out of those 12 months. Guess what happens? You're a totally different person in a year from now that in so many positive ways. And that's my concept of winning the day. And it's just like the thing of how I said, keeping the promises you make to yourself. When you say you are going to go and do something yeah. and you know, you feel like, oh, well, I can just, you know, lay in bed earlier for a little bit longer. I can go, you know, do X, Y, and Z. That's going to make me feel more comfortable. You know, deep down inside, that is why this is truly why I think a lot of people are so hard on themselves and why people get so down on themselves so quickly is because they don't, they don't do the things that they know they need to get done because they're too afraid of either their own failures, their own success or what other people are going to think of them. It's those big three things, their own failures, their own success, or what other people are going to think of them. And that doesn't allow them to excel forward in life. And guess what? 
You know where happiness comes from? Happiness comes from two things. Number one is progression in your life, actually seeing progress in your life because you're doing things that you know is um, making you a better person. And number two is giving back and helping other people. Those two things are what create, in my opinion, creates happiness and in, in, in fulfillment in people's lives. And the reason why people feel so unfulfilled and so unhappy nowadays is because they go on social media, they see somebody riding a Lamborghini that they don't even own. And then they think that that's who they need to be by next month in order to impress people that don't even like them. Yeah. Yeah. So such great advice. Such great advice. Win the day, focus on yourself and yeah. stay laser focused where you need to go. How did cancer change your life after recovery? For example, your friends, things like that. How did it yeah. change it? Now, 95% of my friends, still amazing friends today. 5% of them, as soon as I started and wasn't, it wasn't at right after cancer. It was when I was, I said, I want to do something bigger with my life is when I started losing some friends and it was about 5%, but that 5% hurts. And people know this, when you start off on a journey of self-development, personal development, and you start yeah. doing something bigger with your life, the friends who are the most insecure are going to question you, are going to, yeah. are going to criticize you. are going to talk shit behind your back. And yeah. I had that, I had two or three friends who would like, you know, we're in a group of people, they'd be like, Oh, look at, you know, look at Matt trying to, you know, show himself off by posting in social media every day. He's like, my, my one friend even said, I'm, I'm going to unfollow you because he's like, I had to unfollow you because I couldn't watch your content anymore because you just keep posting. And I'm and I said, good, you're not, I, I you're never my, you know, I, I guess I learned now that you were never actually a true friend of mine because all I'm doing is posting things to help cancer patients and survivors and help people like maximize their life. Yeah. So, Here's what I try to tell people. I said, I stop letting those people control your life. At the end of the day, they're, they're going to be your worst critics. But when you start to succeed and do things, guess who's going to be your number one fan? And the first person to be like, oh my God, I knew it the whole time. It's going to be the same freaking people that told you you could never do it. And that is how, but for 95% of my friends, they're absolutely incredible. I love them to death. They were a huge part of my role of, of getting to where I need to be today. And you can't let those two or three people in your life take you down, drag you down and, um, <clears throat> be the best version of you. It's, it's you against you, you know, so stop comparing yourself to other people and surround yourself with a, a tribe of very good friends. Yes. Yeah. And I had just, I got new friends. That's another reason why they, they, they thought I was like leaving them or something. I said, no, I said, listen, instead of talking about high school glory days all the time and, and gossiping about other people and yeah. never talking about building a future, only talking about our past and the, the job and how shitty our job is and all this stuff. I need to be around people who are like, I'm elevating in this area of my life. I want to get to this area of my life. And how are we going to do this? How are we going to build this together or work together to get there? So, Matt, please talk to our audience who may be at rock bottom and about to give up. Could, uh, it could be any life challenge out there. It could be COVID. It could be financial. It could be marital. What would you like to tell them, the people at rock bottom? Yeah, I, I had a lot of rock bottom moments. Uh, the one that I noticed the most, and I'll share the story, is you know when I had my last surgery, I was literally about three or four days out of ready from getting out of the hospital. And all of a sudden, my stitches burst open. I get rushed into that surgery. Um, and I'm back in the ICU room and I had this massive wound on my stomach. And for two days, two days, they had a breathing tube in my mouth. I couldn't say anything. And I had my hands tied to the bed because they couldn't, they didn't want me touching my wound. But for two days, they didn't know I was strong enough to know that I was like fully awake. So I had to sit there for two days and basically like just ask God, you know, what is next? Like I am at the lowest point of my life right now. Yeah. And I don't know where to go next, but guess what? When you're in rock bottom, you have only two options. You either can give up on yourself, give up on your life, or you have one other option. And that is the only place to go is up. And you have to realize that rock bottom is actually the beginning of a new chapter of your life, a beginning of something brand new. It's like a fresh start. Think of your rock bottom moment as a fresh, clean start to something so much bigger, but the clean start isn't just completely fresh. It has a lot of lessons involved with it. There's so many lessons to be had by getting to that route. I hope everybody, don't hope anybody gets cancer who, you know, in the, who's listening, but I hope everybody at some point hits a rock bottom moment in their life that can alter the direction 
of where they're heading towards where they need to go. Because that right there, that moment totally shifted my mind towards life is precious. My time, my energy, who I spend time with, um, you know, taking care of my health, all of these things. And they didn't just flood at once, but it was the starting point of a new chapter and a new beginning to something bigger with my life. And I want people to know that rock bottom is not your end, your end point. It's a start of something bigger with lots of lessons in it. Yes. I cannot agree with you more. Talk, talk about the benefits of community involvement, giving back. Oh yeah. Giving back is everything. Um, so about two, about, uh, so last year, October, almost a, a year ago now, about 11 months from the today, I finally, so I had been doing some speaking, COVID had already hit, doing podcasts and I was doing some coaching and I was like, God is something bigger for me. It's just not just this. It's not just, you know, speaking. It's not just doing one-on-one coaching. What is it, God? And all of a sudden, like the people that like I surrounded myself with, the, the, the friends that were helping me, they're like, Matt, have you ever thought about starting a Facebook group, a cancer community Facebook group? And I'm like, heck no. Like I'm not good enough to start. I had all those limiting beliefs started flooding back towards me. I'm not worthy enough. People aren't going to gravitate towards my messages, all of this BS. And then about four months later, so they started telling me this in the summer of COVID. And all of a sudden, about four months later, it's now October. So about 11 months ago, I sat down with my dad and he was like, listen, Matt, like you need to start this group. And we had this like really emotional talk. And usually I, me and my dad kind of butt heads, but this time I I really agreed with him. And I, I remember just getting this flood of emotion into me. And it was like a turning point. And, um, so I started the group and, um, I had an assistant. She, she's incredible. She's still with me and she just helps me like, um, like organize the group. It's another admin in the group. She's absolutely incredible. And, uh, we just started reaching out to other Facebook groups. Just, I started sharing my story. I started to interact with other people, give value. And I said, Hey, you know, I, we're all a community. I'm starting a Facebook group, you know, as long as the admin's okay, I'd love for, you know, us to all collaborate. And if you want to join my Facebook group, that'd be awesome. Well, the first, you know, first month we had maybe 50 people, maybe a hundred, second month, maybe three, 400, third month, we started getting close to a thousand fourth and fifth month. We started getting close to 2000 and we're just getting momentum after momentum. And now today, we have over 5,000 members in the group, all patients, caregivers, survivors. And I'm telling you, Ron, it is the most loving, impactful community I've ever been around. It is just filled with whenever somebody is going through something instantly, like 30, 40, 50 comments of just giving advice, helping them with something in their mindset, physically giving them a direction of where they need to go. And this was God saying, Matt, like you need to build this and you know, yes, it's going to be scary at, at first, but you're, if you ever want to become the leader that you've always, you know, that I have set out for you, then you need to start taking these scary first steps and, and doing the things that, you know, you don't know what the outcome is going to be, but you know, you need to do. And that's why I tell everybody, I say, listen, when you are so uncertain and you have all this fear, that is when you need to take that, that leap, take the yeah. leap of uncertainty, take the leap because at the, the other end of maximum fear is maximum opportunity maximum breakthroughs in your life. So, um, every time I have these, this fear, um, I always find myself in, you know, new opportunities and new ventures. And now I have an idea too, with my business that I just started and I'm definitely afraid to start it, but I'm going to, I'm literally going to, you know, put one foot instead, you know, in front of the other, and I'm just going to take action with faith and prayer. And uh, I'm sure you'll be very successful. Matt, you know, you talked about that Facebook group. Uh, is there a name that people can go yeah, on it? Absolutely. So it's called, it's called cancer patient slash survivor. And I can put the link in the, in the chat if you'd like, but it's called cancer patient slash survivor taking back your life from cancer. Okay. I'll put, I it, I'll put it in the podcast notes. Cancer okay. patient slash survivor taking back your life from cancer. Okay. And um, it's for anybody that's been impacted by cancer. Like I said, it can be a patient, it can be a survivor, it could be a caregiver. The Great. thing I realized, I started off as a young adult group and I quickly, quickly realized cancer does not discriminate. Doesn't no. matter your age, no. doesn't it matter does, what type it does of not. Group. That's yep. for sure. So, 
For those who have come through their journey of struggle, what advice do you have for them to do if they desire to help others? What advice can you give them if they want to help other people? Yep. Start with something that is extremely meaningful to you. You need okay. to start with something that is pa- that you're passionate about. Because if you're not passionate about it, it's not going to last. If you're only doing it for money, if you're only doing it for fame, if you're only doing it for a quick instant high, you're never going to actually get the results you want. So you need, like for me, I give out, I've been giving out so much free stuff that, you know, eventually, you know, me starting a business, you know, you have to make profit at some point. But for me, I didn't care about that in the beginning. All I care about is giving out as much free things that is meaningful to me and helping and making an impact in the community first. Sure. And then saying, you know, you want to know how you can actually attract the right people into your life is just by being as authentic as you possibly can. Don't seem sleazy. Don't seem like a salesy person. Just, just purely give and you will receive 10 acts of what you're trying to get. I promise you this. That's how you build culture. That's how you build a brand. That's how you build a community. That's how you Absolutely. make sure you impact people's lives. Give us your thoughts on how people can get a purpose in their lives and the many benefits from that. Yeah. I think your purpose can come from many different ways. You know, the number one way is um, that for me was um, something that I went through that was challenging in my life, you know, finding something that I overcame in my life. And like I said, just previously was something I overcame, but was also very meaningful to me that can, that you notice other people are facing. It can either be that route or it can be something that you're just passionate about that you see people are struggling with that comes natural to you, something that comes natural and easy to you. And you're able to give them the value that they need. And that will help you find your purpose. You know, your purpose is going to come when you are, you know, helping people with something that you're passionate about. And usually it comes in those two ways. You either are something you love to do or something that was meaningful to you. And you're like, I don't ever want to see somebody go through this again. For me, I don't ever want to see somebody go have to mentally get drained after cancer. Like I really want to help these, you know, survivors because I know cancer doesn't stop when you're cancer free. Technically, there's so many more emotional, mental, and even physical battles that you have to face after cancer. And it's not just cancer for me. It's people, anybody who's gone through traumatic experiences in their life. And I want to give them that sense that they have, you know, a gift their story, your story is your greatest gift. Remember this, your greatest uh, asset in life is your story. I turned my pain into purpose. Yeah. Uh, the day I, before the day before my surgery, my cancer surgery, I had to go into the uh, dental office to get, to get a, a, a procedure done that they had to do. Uh, it was like a crown or whatever to put in. And they, they, they didn't want, they wanted me to do it before the surgery. And I, I told them I was having cancer surgery the next day. I didn't say breast cancer surgery because at that time I was somewhat embarrassed about it, to be honest with you. Like most people, men are, you know, with all this stuff. And I went into the dental office. The technician sat me down. She said, yeah, we rushed all this for you. I understand you're having cancer surgery tomorrow. What kind of can what kind of cancer surgery are you having? I said breast cancer. She started laughing, Matt. She started literally laughing and said, "You're joking, right?" And I said, "No, I'm not joking." And a light bulb went off in my head and I said, "You know what? I don't think anybody should have to go through this." And I'm when I get through this, like you said, you don't when you're first starting out, you don't know what's going on with the cancer. You got to take care of yourself first. But I said, when I'm done with this, I'm, that's going to be my purpose. I'm going to take this pain. I'm going to turn it to purpose and I'm going to advocate. So men out there don't have to go through this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that this, this type of cancer is going to be degendered someday. So it's not just all women, you know? And so that was, yeah, that was my pain to purpose. Yeah. And you know what? I'll be honest with you. The first time I heard breast cancer, I didn't, I never knew until I was in this space until I started like literally building this community. I didn't know about male breast cancer. And I think for a lot of people, when they hear that she probably, honestly, she probably thought it was a joke because she had never heard of a male having breast cancer. I would never laugh. I think that's ignorant, but I also think that like, she probably had no harm in it. She just didn't even know, which is crazy because I didn't either. 
And it's, yeah. it's, 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 I think it's something that, like you said, I'm glad you're bringing awareness to this right now. So, yeah. Matt, can you tell us about the project Mustaches for Matt? Yeah. So we're going to go back to my event that my dad uh, um, did for me after chemo. So here's how it all came out came to be. So this is how Mustaches for Matt came to be is uh, when my dad hosted that event that I just talked about, how it started actually was all of my friends, my guy friends, when I was going through chemotherapy, uh, I, you know, you can see I have red hair. I lost all of it, but I had this like dirty mustache, terrible. It was like the most ugly thing, but I was the only piece of hair I had left on me. So I was like, I am not shaving this thing until I have to. And all of my guy friends were like, okay, we obviously aren't going to make fun of him for keeping this thing on. So we're going to grow mustaches with him as well. So every dad and all the guys throughout all my chemotherapy grew mustaches. And when the day came, we called it mustaches for Matt. And when people showed up, all the girls wore fake mustaches, ladies, girls, things like that. And all the guys had their mustaches on and we had gotten shirts for everybody and everything. And, um, it was so, so cool. Like we, we literally got, um, shirts for, uh, for everybody who attended, you know, at least we, uh, we bought a bunch of them. I don't know if everybody got them because there were so many people that showed up, but we gave as many as we could out. And, uh, it was incredible, man. And, and that's why we called it mustaches for Matt is because uh, everybody did it. And we've done it the past three years. And here's a really cool thing is every year has just been an event. But this year it was supposed to be during COVID last last uh, spring, but we couldn't do it because of, you know, of COVID, obviously. But now, um, you know, I'm hosting this spring. I will be hosting my very first mustaches for Matt 5K race and all proceeds are going to be going to uh, Almond Cancer Fund, which is a young adult cancer organization. And my goal in life, my ultimate mission is to be able to eventually start my own, um, you know, nonprofit where I build a foundation that helps families whose young adults have uh, been financially impacted by cancer. And um, but for right now, all of the proceeds are going to a young adult cancer organization. Awesome. Awesome. It's such a cool thing. So, yeah. Now, is that 5K run going to be held in Cleveland? Yeah, it's it's local. So it's like literally five minutes from my house. Um, and it's in okay. a, we have what's called the Metro Park. It's like a really nice, like wooded area. It's like a g- gorgeous place. And, um, you know, we'll just block it off for, you know, an hour and a half throughout the day and uh, people will go do a 5k. So, well, we have uh, a lot, yeah. we, we have a lot of people listening in the Ohio area. So oh, great. Yeah. We, and we, it's we, in, we, well, if you know where Strongsville is, uh, it's in Strongsville. So for anybody left in sitting in Ohio, it's about 20 minutes south of Cleveland. So if you, I will, I can send you a link when I get it, Ron. I don't have okay. the link yet. I'll get it in October. But if you, uh, if you want to share it, um, I'd be happy because yeah, you know, of course. I'm not keeping any of this. This is all going to. Oh, you know, no. Pause, no. So. I know that. Uh, and what, what month is that going to be running? April, which is Testicular Cancer Awareness Month. April, okay, TC Awareness Month. Okay, Matt, what excites you uh, the most going forward? Hmm. For me, it is. Um, I think what excites me the most is that um, I now really feel like I have a purpose in life, and I think. Um, for a long period of time, I felt lost before cancer. You know, I was healthy, extremely healthy. And I was like, maybe I'll start a gym someday. Or maybe I'll be like, I knew I didn't want to just be in a nine to five job, even though I love my wellness job where I get to help people. But it wasn't like this, where I get to change the world. Like, I feel like I can, God is letting me literally having the option to change the world. And that right there excites me so, so much. So that's number one. And number two, is the future of me and Lauren and, you know, wherever it takes us with kids or, or, you know, we're getting, so the cool part, as I told you, she's my fiance. I just uh, proposed to her three months ago. Um, we're going to be married in uh, next year, September 24th. So a little bit less than a year from now. Congratulations so, on that. Thank you. So those, those excite me, man. Um, it's just, you know, part of life. Yeah. How can people contact you, Matt? Yeah. So the best way is uh, go through my website at Matt, M-A-T-T, O-D, ode speaks.com matt ode speaks.com and it has all my social media on there um you know from my facebook to instagram to linkedin to uh, my youtube channel um all of that stuff and if you're looking for a speaker you can go through there so um that's going to be your best place to reach me or 
um, you know, well, really, it'll just lead you to my, all my social media accounts. But if you want to reach me, my probably most active accounts is Facebook, no doubt, and um, Instagram. So Instagram is Maddie, M-A-T-T-Y-O-D-E. Um, you can reach and shoot me a DM. I, if you are impacted by cancer, I want to uh, say this. Please shoot me a DM. I would be happy to get you into a Facebook group. And I'm telling you, it is it is just a game changer. It has been the most amazing thing. And you, you know, all you have to do is you can just read people's stories. You can just listen to the things. It's a very, it's a, it's a group filled of knowledge. Okay. I'm going to share all that in the podcast notes, all that information. Thank you, Matt, for sharing your incredible story. The work you are doing to help others is invaluable. You are an inspiration to us all. And I am so glad you could join us today. You are a genuine and authentic person. I wish you all the best going forward, doing God's work. Comments and suggestions uh, to improve the podcast are always welcome. You can email us at itsarapwithrap at gmail.com. Our website is itsarapwithrap.com. You can sign up for our newsletter. Facebook, it's a wrap with rap. Instagram, it's a wrap with rap podcast. And we're on YouTube. Uh, It's a wrap with rap, the podcast on cut. All the episodes are on YouTube. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please stay safe. And for now, it's a wrap. Thank you.